Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. The Hawks should want to come back to Atlanta. Uh, I'm Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording after game two uh, with the Hawks going down 2-0 in Boston. Uh, sh- should Hawks fans be feeling like they've been stomped on by Draymond Green? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, <laughs> is it that bad is, yet? I, no, it's not. It, I mean, it shouldn't be. I know it's it. it I, it's kind of funny because it's hard to watch game one and two where it feels like it, I. I would say it feels like the Celtics are like controlling things the whole game, and really that's not what's happened. They've controlled the most important part of games, and when the Hawks kind of got within say within range, the Celtics like immediately grabbed control at that point. You know, both in both in both games have done that. Um, but I mean, there, there's a there's a lot going wrong for the Hawks. But you know, from that standpoint, they're finding a way to kind of fight back and and try to kind of, kind of get competitive again. So uh, you know, before the, you know before the series started, I said I thought the most likely outcome was Celtics in six. That doesn't look promising right now. But no. I, but I also think the most the most likely outcome of games one and two was Boston's up two zero. And Atlanta has to win one of a game of three or four at home to put themselves in, you know, the position to possibly, you know, compete in game five and create a game six. So I, I'm not, I don't think it's that surprising on paper that the Hawks are down 0 2 at this point. Did the middle of this game feel a little bit like the Miami series with, with the Celtics kind of? pinching in on Trey and and letting other options work, so to speak. But did did, did it feel it, at some point like what their key was was hey, well, let's just take Trey out of it and see what we can do to to make sure that we turn him over some and we'll live with what happens on the backside? I mean, I think so. I think I think Trey's volume of turnovers has like all things considered hasn't been it hasn't been to the level of that Miami series, you know. Um, and such. I think he's taken a step since last year and is willing to give the ball up, you know, in those situations. But, and they're doing it differently. Like Miami, you know, use that. Yeah, they definitely do it different. Uh, but the Celtics are basically switching, you know, and, and still kind of, it's funny, the Celtics are, are, are giving the Hawks space in the middle, which is not the normal principle in the NBA. But what they're doing is they're, uh, not re- not letting a free screener get to Trey up in the middle of the court. So you know, so and Trey, and that's you, you know on the broadcast on the TNT or so the NBA TV broadcast tonight, which is the only right. one I have available. Yeah, it was the only one I have available to me out here. Um, yeah, they were talking about like, uh, oh, Capella's like, what are we running? Or and I think you know there are a couple other times too, like a, a, a Yucca, what are we running? And I, I think it's a, a moment of confusion, like. We can't get to our stuff. The Celtics aren't letting us get to our stuff. And, uh, you know, the Celtics are are just doing a great job impacting the Hawks' ability to kind of get to what to the things they normally use to start their offensive action. That's hard. That's really hard to deal with. There's been sometimes Trace try to force it, try to do too much. I think that's been more of an exception as compared to against Miami last year. DeJounte was great tonight at kind of taking advantage of, of that um, as such. And DeJounte's shooting, you know, kind of kind of kept them, you know, 
from getting completely blown out and and, and he and bogey kind of helped them you know get back with them maybe within range in the fourth quarter but i mean the celtics are just awesome on defense you know they don't really have got anyone on the floor in most cases you can just drive past and the other thing i think that makes it really hard that's different really different than miami really different as their Horford plus Robert Williams lineups are have been awesome in these two games on defense, right? Oh, somebody finds a crease, Horford comes there and cleans. I think they had what like 12 blocks tonight or something like that. It's like some huge number. Um, you know, Williams gets down there and cleans it up. They they know how to steer the ball handler towards where the help is coming from. It's all high precision defensive execution. They know where that help's gonna be. The Celtics have been running this for two years now, you know, and they've really got it down to a precise science, and that, that's hard. That's hard. What else did you see of note from this game? Where do you, where do you want to take the discussion? Well, I think the thing for me is that, you know, my viewpoint heading to the series was that the Celtics can be success you know they, they can be vulnerable protecting the paint um the statistics say that you know they were a, a minus two and a half uh, in the paint points they killed the hawks in the paint tonight we can, we'll talk about why that maybe in a minute but uh you know in two games clint has six or has 12 shots and yucca has nine shots not that those guys are going to have 15 shots a piece per game but that's six a game for, for clint that's that's you know that's ten and a half combined you know, and for a team in the Hawks that really need to be driving their usage to the rim, I mean, that's just not going to cut it, you know. And and even some of those shots, all, it feels like all 21 of those are well contested, you know. The Celtics are putting Clint on the free throw line, and that's not going well for Clint, you know. And so for me, I don't it, – it, it's interesting that – it seemed like tonight Quinn's mindset was we just got to – Put th- we got to get threes up because we're just not going to get to the rim. They're not going to let us get to the rim, especially in the Horford plus Williams minutes. And so that's what it's like. You watch the game tonight. It's like, man, if Bay made two threes, you know, um, you know, if JC makes one more of his attempts, if Trey makes one, you know, and, uh, you know, you, and you, you kind of do the math and you're like, man, they could have been like right there if they would have just, you know, made it, made a few more. Um, but it, it does feel like the Celtics are like, hey, Atlanta, beat us from the three-point line. Show us you can do it, and then we'll adjust. Otherwise, you're just not getting anything with paint. And I think I think it seemed like tonight Quinn was like, okay, well, let's get up shots at the three-point line. Let's let's make that happen. Maybe at home that goes better. You know, Bay's a better shooter than he was tonight. You know, you know, Trace capable of making shots. You know, Hunter had a good start and kind of got off track and stuff like that. So in my mind, I expect in game three. Like the Hawks are going to attack the three point line because that's what Boston's giving them, you know, and they could say what it's giving you. But I still think the Hawks can't totally punt on trying to get shots at the rim to their base. So, but I, I'm not, I don't have a solution on how, how to go about doing it, you know. Um, so we'll have to see. So, you know, you've noted that the centers aren't. Uh, getting shot attempts at the rim and uh, obviously the you know the overall defense is good the the on-ball defense at the point of attack where Trey is is good but 
you know, even against the best point of attack defense, you know, unless they're bringing some help from somewhere, it, it seems like, you know, they should be able to get something at the rim. If it's not for Trey, it's for the centers. If it's not for the centers, it's for Trey. But it doesn't seem like they're getting any of that. And like you're saying, it's they're they're letting the threes go up. So where is the help coming from? Are, are they just sort of, you know, letting you get the corner threes? Are they letting power forwards get threes? Like who who? How are they manipulating the defense to make sure that it's shut down in the paint? Yeah, well, I mean they're dropping Horford. It's not a it's it's not a high drop, but it's not a super deep drop either. He's yeah, kind of kind in, of in the, the middle. middle. With a lot of yeah. help, is that is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, and he's shading the the, the would be path of the ball handler, and he's still kind of um, in between the ball handler and the big, and they're pulling and they're tagging from the weak side, just sort of like traditional NBA defensive principles, and they are giving up shots on the weak side, you know, those three point shots, and again, I think they're like, okay, you make those, and then we'll figure we'll have to figure something out, but until you do, you know, we're going to be fine doing this. We don't want uh, the guards to have a free shot right to the paint. Two reasons. One is that, I mean, that, I think they feel like they're, they're challenging even like Trey's floaters and, you know, Trey's got ahead of like what, two, maybe three layups tonight. He was able to get two and the defense break, broke down a little bit, but they don't want him to get to that lob, you know? And, and that, that's what they're, that's what they're playing is, is, is that. And, and the, if you, the Hawks easily, their most efficient shots across the whole season were, a lob to a big man right at the rim. And they're just getting none of those. You know, the the shots that the bigs are getting, including like John had to had one shot he made like right in front of the rim tonight. He had to work his tail off for that shot, you know, and he got it to go down. Uh and then even on Yaka, like everything, you know, I think he made well, I can't remember how he made tonight, but everything is challenged. So I mean the Celtics are just dominating with their defensive execution. But the Hawks being you know, one of the best defensive teams, sorry, one of the best offensive teams in the leagues are still finding stretches where they're able to generate a- enough points to, you know, fight back from, say, 20 down to eight down or, you know, or, or whatever that is. Um, I mean, a lot of that is, you know, Quinn talks about the defense setting up the offense. You know, the Hawks had a, a good first 10 minutes. I think I don't I want to say the whole first quarter was good. I think the last couple minutes were kind of rough there. But I thought that was all, you know, based upon their defensive execution. They were up, you know, into the Celtics players. They were a little bit more physical. It's probably still more room to get more physical. And they were just engaged and connected better. Um, Celtics are awesome. So the Celtics threw a lot at them. And and the, and the Hawks kind of left, uh, lost that level of execution they started the game with the first nine or ten minutes or whatever it was. Um but I think you, I think I imagine when they go back and look at the film, they're like, okay, we got to a good start. What was good about our play? X, Y, Z. Let's start that way again. Now, why were we not able to maintain it? I think that's the the big question from game two for the Hawks is where did we lose it? You know, where did we lose it? Um, and I, I don't know if you have thoughts on that on sort of kind of where they're level of execution disappeared, you know, late first quarter or going into the second quarter, whatever it was, but it, they lost it a pretty short, you know, period of time. And and it took until a while, to, I don't know, a few minutes into the third quarter, maybe halfway to the third quarter for the guys kind of started putting something back together that was kind of working almost at that level. But what, what did you see that kind of caused them to kind of lose um, their, 
level of execution, their ability to execute. I guess I would go with it, it was a it was a very evenly officiated game tonight, mm -hmm. but it was officiated like a playoff game where they were going to say, you know, if it's a small bump, you know, play on. And there's there's a fair amount of hand checking that's allowed that you probably wouldn't see in a regular season game. And I felt like the Hawks didn't adjust to that. And that led to way too many turnovers, you know, late in the first quarter and into the second quarter. That I felt like that was sort of the backbreaking stretch was the number of turnovers that they had in that portion of the game because it gave the Celtics some runout points. The Celtics actually left some runout points on the board. Like they probably should have gotten more out of those runouts than they did, but they you know, they got into a fast break kind of a mode from those turnovers that continued. Uh, you know, once they got that going, Robert Williams was being really productive on offense by, you know, sprinting down the floor and getting the quick seals. And I, and I thought that's kind of where the game really started to get away from the Hawks. Yeah, I thought those, it's, it's funny. I thought those, uh, I mean, I think that obviously observation is spot on. I think. Um, and I thought that was especially true. I think to a degree, understandably, when like Jalen and Bay came on, this is Bay's first playoff experience, right? Um, even though he's been in the league for you know a few years now, and this is obviously Jalen's first you know, playoff experience, and and it's it's interesting because I view Bay as one of the toughest players that they have, but it still takes experience in this environment. To kind of know, like, oh, they let you get away with that and that and that, you know, and those sorts of things. And even that, like, one time the Bay got the offensive rebound. I mean, and he's a really confident shooter. I was just, push, you know, he was like, do I, do I pass it out? Do I, do I have, the, do I have the space to shoot it? You know, he, he seemed really kind of unsure of. He got like he in between. Measuring. Yeah, and like, and like he couldn't measure the play, you know, or or whatever, and and so. You know, but that's that, that kind of comes along with you know having guys in your rotation that just don't have that experience. I mean, that the only person that's true for on the Boston side is you know Hauser, right? Everyone else has been through this and they've been through it as a group, you know. Um, and so that and that they got four rounds last year, and that I mean, I don't think people understand sometimes how valuable that exposure is to more intensity in the second round, more intensity in the third round, more intensity in the finals, and how you kind of come back with a, a, a real understanding of like what it takes, what the level you have to execute at, right? The teams that are true contenders don't turn it off and on. You may see that during the regular season just because it's a grind, but the real contenders know, okay, come say mid-March, if not sooner, we got to really start building up like consistently playing to that level or we're not going to have it when we get into the second round of the playoffs, the, or the third round of the playoffs or whatever that is. And Boston is there. <laughs> I mean, their execution is, is excellent. Um, I still feel like the Hawks can impact them when they're playing their best basketball to the point where they they should have an opportunity to have some, you know, a competitive game or two or, or whatever it turns out to be, you know, when when the Celtics kind of get their distance is when the Hawks just kind of fall flat on their face for three three minutes or four minutes, you know, 
can't get into any of their action, losing cutters, not rebounding the ball, you know, kind of losing their, their comms, you know, on defense, it's the basic stuff. And that's when you know, they have to be like, okay, we, we can't stop doing the basics even when, you know, everything else is a struggle and there's a lot of adversity for us. And last year against Miami, it was like whole games of that, right? Whole games of that. Now this, this Boston team is better than that Miami team was last year, you know, but this year, I, I I feel like, it, and I don't know, you know, how much of this is just, you know, Quinn's been Quinn's took took a what was a young, unex, inexperienced team through their playoff. I remember that that Utah Clippers series kind of early in that that Utah team's kind of trajectory through all of this tough series with Houston, you know, and on and on, right? And so, you know, Quinn's kind of gone through the buildup, you know, with a team, and and I don't know. You know, if their ability in this series was so far to okay, we're not we're not just gonna like you know get stuck for the whole rest of the game. We're gonna fight and try to find some stability within our play and see what we can do with that. That's different to me than what the Miami series was last year, and that's I think that's a step forward. Even even though Hawks fans I know kind of find I'm sure the results you know, unpleasant and, and not what you want and all that sort of stuff. I still think they're showing indications. They, I mean, they, we have time, like later on, like after the season's done, whatever it is, we can talk about roster construction and what they need to do to kind of take the roster up a level and things like that. But this this is, despite the results, this is different to me than it was last year. They're, they're finding a three, four-minute stretches, whatever it is, to kind of fight back and find some stability. And that, that's just something I felt like we didn't see last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, just to backtrack from to the discussion from a few minutes ago, like all that stuff I was saying about transition and physicality, like I don't necessarily think. I know you 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 related it to sort of Bay and his first postseason. Like I didn't really feel like those things were his issue. I felt like his issues were more, you know, navigating on defense, you know, around mm-hmm. screens and in any kind of two man action. It's like. I feel like there's some cleanup and technique in the footwork and, you know, how you navigate. Cause he, it felt like on all those actions, like he was either unaware of where, where maybe the second action was going to be, or he would just kind of lose a step in the screen. And, you know, since he's gotten here, it's like, Oh, I don't know about his defense when he first got here. And it feels like, you know, a month, six weeks into it. It's like, Oh, I, I see this steady progression. And, and in this game, it just felt like, Oh, we're, we're kind of back to square one with some of that stuff, but that's what happens on a magnified stage against a, a team that's as, as good as Boston is. And, uh, and when, and when his assignment, he draws for some minutes is Jason Tatum, a guy who's going to get him. He's going to show up on the NBA MVP, you know, ballot you know, this year. So that's tough. That's really tough. The other thing is him being on with Jalen, you know, I I don't know if like if there's an opportunity to maybe get Bay in a little sooner, Hunter out, put Hunter on with Jay, you know, I, I don't I don't know if there's a way to kind of you know mix that in. I know I don't know a lot of Hawks fans I hear from really down with Hunter anyway, but you know, um whatever, you know, just set that aside for now. But I don't I just I I don't know if there's a way to um you know, stagger, you know, some of those lineups, uh, like Bogey was a real stabilizer, you know, in this, in this game, right. On both, I mean, on both ends, he was like, on, on yeah. defense, he was showing up as a help defender. He was digging, he created a few turnovers, you know, he, he was, 
And and again, I think he can do that against the Celtics because they're not first step explosive athletes. Like they're they're really skilled, you know, and and they're and they're good athletes. They're just not like these, you know, outlier kind of you know first step athletes. Um, and so maybe maybe there's an opportunity to get Bay out with maybe a, a stronger defensive lineup around him. You know, that could help him maybe not have to be on Tatum on his first defensive possession. <laughs> He's on the floor and stuff like that. So maybe Quinn will kind of kind of go back and look at that. Um, I mean, I don't blame Quinn for like kind of rolling with Lady Bryant because the, the bench in that Miami game were were so huge. You know, in that game, you know. And they and, and even going back into the regular season, there are a number of games the last, I don't know, what, 15 games or so where that they yeah. were the more productive unit, you know. Yeah. So, but now, I mean, as we all know, you get into a playoff series, a seven-game series, you have, things are different. You have to adjust. You have to kind of figure sometimes new solutions out. And that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where they are. I think for me, um, you know, can they generate more shots in the paint at the rim? Boston took a huge step forward in game two in that area. If they're generating threes, maybe at home and you know not in that hostile environment, maybe just by sheer fact of that, they make more of those threes, and that's what Boston's giving them. Um, but you know, for me, it's like, what? How can they help Trey give them a little more on offense? You know, I, I know that the right decision a lot of times is to give the ball up, and, and Trey even spoke, I thought, maturely uh, in, in post game. You know, about you know, he said, I I didn't play. You know, my best game, I think it was the phrase that he used. I didn't play, or I, I got to play better. He definitely said that. And and he's definitely being introspective about it. But but a part of that is, you know, how do you, you know, how do you kind of come up with maybe a wrinkle that, that helps him have a little bit more of the stuff that he's best at? It's hard. I mean, Derek White has been, I, I mean, I, I thought Derek White was one of the best three or four defenders in the league this year. And he still has exceeded my expectations in in, in this. It's just it's crazy how good he's been, and then the help he gets from Williams and Warford, and you know, and still it's 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 impressive, you know. But hopefully, like they're coming up with something that'll that, that'll that'll help him some. Um, I thought the best thing they did today offensively, maybe almost by <laughs> process of elimination, they're like that doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Was letting DJ have the middle of the floor, and then Celtics just let DJ work one on one right in the middle. And I mean, DJ shot over. I think he shot over his at least for a three point, and he shot over his you know baseline you know tonight. Um, but that's the playoffs. You, you're taking you know not first class, not second class shots. You're sometimes kind of working in that third or fourth kind of class of shots that you can get and stuff. But I, I thought I thought just so like, hey, let's just roll with DJ. Let's let him go one on one in the middle of the floor and and. Uh, and I thought that was a big part of the third quarter, you know, that, that, that was there. So it's it's super hard. Um, but I mean, like I said, coming home 02, not really surprising, you know. Um two games where the league got really the, the league got really, really big. Um, and in both cases, there were stretches where they kind of fought back and, and got almost kind of in contact, and, and I think that I think there's enough there for Quinn to kind of show his team. Like, like I said, we started off with a great plan in game two. We were executing that plan excellently, right? We got to a 10, 11, 12 point lead or whatever it was across there. We were we were very steady in what we were doing. Now let's figure out what knocked us off balance. What were what were the things that knocked off knocked us off balance? 
how do we not let that happen in, in the next game? I think I think your your point was perfect. You know, the physicality, the the, the officiating environment, and just the inexperience of some of the guys who play off the bench. I thought when the second unit came on was when things really took a bad turn, you know, in, in this game. And, and like I said earlier, I, I've enjoyed that unit like for most of the season, you know, so, but the playoff, the playoffs are hard there. It's, it's kind of funny to think about this, but as a seventh seed, you kind of step in and are playing at the level immediately in the first round that most of these other teams are preparing to deal with in the second round, you know, or maybe even the third round. They're, they they very well could be facing the best team right now. Yeah, that's certainly possible. They have the best net rating, like start to finish, I think, yep. for the most part, and and uh, and their 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 execution is is impressive. And, and yet, and yet, it's different for the Miami series because they're finding stretches where they can kind of put it back together in some areas and and make that work for them and and and, and make up some ground. And and for me, it's like you know, I'm not really looking necessarily X's and O's. You know, what's the solution? I'm really looking at, um, can they, you know, can they generate some performance stability? And can they, can they kind of produce in the areas they're trying to produce? Can they execute, you know, the things that that they are prioritizing in this matchup and not get knocked off their plan? If gonna happen inevitably at times even happens to boston now and then when you get knocked off your plan how long does it take you to kind of get back on plan that that's that's the test of like a team that's ready to to do something in the postseason is oh we got knocked off our plan how do we get back to that plan and start executing again and um i just think i'm seeing some things that are more encouraging last year i I hope that means that like game three and four will be fun competitive close games and the hawks will have a chance to win both games so that would be fun um but i i think there's enough there to make me feel like okay if they can build on it and be at home then you know maybe this maybe this could be a couple interesting games that are coming up here this weekend i thought that on the whole this was a pretty good DeAndre Hunter game, like he knew which shots were the ones he was supposed to take. He sought them out and went into them aggressively. He played, you know, reasonable defense. He had a ton of rebounds. You know, I just felt like, you know, going back to some of the earlier points, you know, going into the physicality, he's got to be super careful trying to navigate that physicality with a dribble because I thought some of his turnovers were the the back-breaking ones, and and that was the big drawback on what was, should have otherwise been a really good night for him. I, I'm I'm curious to talk a little bit about, you know, trying to deal with the Celtics' offense, with them being five out a lot of the time, and I, I felt like it was a much more of a problem in Game One than than it was in Game Two. I thought maybe mm-hmm. they they took some steps. Uh tonight and you know some of the I thought more of their problems were coming up from stemming from the offense and then bleeding back into the defense as opposed to just being you know problems that they have with their defense I thought they did a better job of keeping Capella low finding ways to keep him more involved so that they had a second line of defense because their first line isn't that great and you know they don't have a lot of great point of attack defenders and I'm just sort of curious what you thought about that. And as a bigger point, 
is is this series in any way interesting because is is it fair to say that dealing with that kind of offense was maybe the Achilles heel of those Utah rosters that Quinn had in Utah? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And and I think that like if you're like I mean they the the real place to watch this is watching Sacramento and Golden State go against each other. They're both playing five out. They're both cutting <laughs> off the ball. They're, you know, they both have weak side action that's, that's you know, uh, split cuts and, you know, all that stuff. And I, I think this does kind of accentuate that you've got to be able to defend that if you're going to have any shot of, you know, doing anything kind of in the playoffs. And um, and, I, and I thought they did, I, I think I agree with you. I think they did a better job. But like, there, there's a few things I feel like may, maybe, um, you know, fans that are, are just trying to enjoy the game maybe don't notice, but like, you know, Trey got beat on the cut tonight. And I went back and looked at it. And this is the pressure the Celtics put on you. I, I don't want to talk about like eight plays where they got you know, beat on cuts or whatever. I'll talk about one where um, smart Trey was not smart. Smart went up the floor as if he were going to set a ball screen and Trey loaded up to show and clear. Right. So he was like getting himself ready to track through the screen. Make an impact of the ball handler, who I think was, I think it was Brogdon in that case, and then clear. We, we've seen him do it all year long. Show and clear, show and clear, show and clear. As soon as Trey loads up to be ready to show and clear, Smart just boom was straight to the rim, and it's not like Trey was like standing there like flat on his feet, you know, paying no attention or whatever. And and now I, I, some people are like Glenn, you're making excuses. I'm not making an excuse. You've got to you've got to guard your guy on the ball screen, and you got to guard your guy on the cut. But the Celtics like pull you into and put pressure on you to defend the three point line, defend that action. We talked about the fact that sometimes the screener becomes the shooter. You've got to track your guy, and the millisecond you kind of load up to impact that ball screen and get ready to cover that, bam! They and and that's where they're getting beat. You know, there's in game one, I think there were three or four where it was a straight a guy at a corner, you know, just cutting, not cutting a guy who. Like JC got me the one where JC was trying to start to load up to be ready to help and got back cut. That to me, that's that's you know less uh that's more egregious. I think it is. Yeah, I think there were there but, were more problems in game one where it was just the basic see the ball, see the man. Like you got right. two things to track right. and they weren't they, you know, they were they were falling apart on step one as opposed to something further down the line. Yeah, but but in this game it was really the Celtics being just excellent at over leveraging you up towards the ball and up towards where the ball screen is, and then hey, I'm hitting you as soon as you're over leveraged. And I mean, and nobody does that better than Golden State. Nobody has done that last eight, nine years, or whatever, than, than Golden State. Like just making you feel like, man, we've got two kit bodies on the three-point line on clay and stuff. Next thing you know, bam, you know, your favorite play, not your favorite player, but your favorite play is the fake DHO and Draymond's at the rim, and even Draymond's making, I don't know, half of his layups, uncontested layups at the rim or whatever. You know, and stuff like that. But that's that's what the Celtics are doing to the Hawks. So if you if you if you watch that play, it's like I I just want to kind of help people understand that like you know in a lot of those cases, especially in game two, it's not these lazy defenders. Like they're there's a lot of pressure to impact the ball screen, to be ready in the right technique, in the right place, and to get there early to have and you know, the Celtics will take advantage of that. And you know, I they're gonna have to do that a little better every game, 
maybe maybe because this could be a short series now a lot better you know in game three but they did it a lot better in game two than they did in game one but they still got over leveraged at times in the celtic every time they get over leveraged it seems like the celtics they hit them with that cut boom to get that easy easy bucket and and to me i thought they defended the three-point line reasonably well tonight you know they i thought the celtics made a number of tough contested threes um the the points in the paint with those cuts the runout points Williams Williams run running was excellent. Um, you know, Williams anytime Williams got a mismatch, you know, because the Hawks were helping on the strong side and the, he'd get, I don't know, DJ on him or whatever, they go right to him immediately, you know. So um yeah, I, I thought there were important areas in this game where they were better. I thought they got back on plan more quickly. Um, but I still think the Celtics are throwing a lot at them because they're good. And their execution level is really high. Um, but in a situation like that, like, okay, game three, we've seen, you know, 96 minutes of this now, you know, in this playoff context. So how do we come out and hopefully get up to a fast start again and hopefully uh, maintain it, you know, better than we did in game two? Um, I, I, um, the, the Hunter, you know, you're talking about Hunter, it, it it was he, he was good and he was I guess good it's sort of good in, in a few areas in this game a few important areas right but he inspired a, a tweet of mine that I was disappointed you didn't like Kevin my feelings are a little hurt that that what the Hawks were struggling with at one point was object permanence like a defender would go behind Drake but Hunter you've got to you got to give be fair to me I, number one I think I did like it and number oh, two you? if I didn't. I like the one with the typo that you deleted and then came back <laughs> with the corrected typo version. Okay, so like, I, like, I liked at least one of them. I, I rarely correct my typos, but I think there was a timeout like like within a 30 seconds or something. So everyone saw a good thing in that. But okay, that's fair. But I, I just thought that was a I just thought that was for a, a below average tweeter, that was a good that was a good one for me to get out there. Um but uh, but it was just kind of funny to see like and it wasn't just him like they had a couple of situations where I mean it's like and the Celtics just know how to like get in your I'm a former air traffic controller and they're like getting your six o'clock and like it, it did seem like there was this object permanent issue that was going on like a little bit in the second quarter there that was either kind of frustrating but um yeah so yeah I mean everybody on Twitter is talking about. Capella, JC, Hunter, not enough ball handling, not enough passing, you know. And, and I and I think we all know that that um their that front court is built to help defend behind Trey and DJ, right? That's that's really the way it's organized. And their best games this year, that's how it played out. Trey and G, Trey and DJ drove the offense, those three drove the from a starting lineups kind of standpoint. But I mean, I, I this Starting lot, it was good across the whole season. You know, I, I I do think that going up against the Celtics in a series like this, you realize like, okay, we've got to supplement this or tweak this or change that or make a big change or whatever it is, you know, right. to get more ball handling and passing equity on the floor without sacrificing too much defense. You know, and and you know, and my favorite way to talk about the playoffs, no matter who you are, even these teams that are getting in for the first time, you know. Um, like the Kings are this year, like even if the Kings say, you know, maybe win the first round, you know, it's a feedback loop. And you get the regular season tells you a certain amount about what you can do, what you can't do, what you have, what you don't have on a different level in a completely different context of playoffs, and especially getting 
into a series like this against maybe the best team playing right now. It does. They they break. You know, it it doesn't have to be a major vulnerability. It could be a couple of minor vulnerabilities where they just completely break break you with those vulnerabilities. This that's a positive thing. It, it gives you that feedback on, okay, this is where we don't have enough to really kind of build up to being a real serious team. It's I know it's hard for fans to watch, but it's precious feedback and it's really really valuable. And there's really, in my mind, only one way, there's one best way to get it, and this is it. So even if it hurts to watch sometimes and you want them to do better, they have to, the takeaways they get here are, are ones they have to realize. And this is why you're glad they won the play-in. In my mind, you're glad they drew this matchup because I think the Celtics can give a performance and, and kind of attack them in a way that, that only maybe the Celtics can in the Eastern Conference and the, the five out and all that sort of stuff, you know? So – it's an opportunity to learn more about the team. And uh, I think that's good. Yeah. This is a roster that's better constructed to, to deal with a Philadelphia or Milwaukee than a Boston or golden state. And so it's, it's interesting. And if indeed the, the Hawks are not winning the NBA championship this year, (laughs) then, then it's an illustrative experience. You, you, you're going to learn more from from seeing the team against this kind of opponent. So, agreed. It's all good. Uh, Bob critiqued our endings. I don't know how I'm supposed to end. Good night, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bye, Bob. <laughs> Let's have fun watching game three. Let's have fun watching game three. Sounds good.